5. The matter and a form of justification. The righteousness of Christ imputed. The matter of justification, or that for which, the sake of which a sinner is justified, is the righteousness of Christ. The form and manner in which it is made over to such an one and becomes his is by imputation. First, the matter of justification, the righteousness of Christ, and everything else must be removed from it and denied of it, as, first, a man's own righteousness, or his obedience to the law, this is expressly denied to be that of which a sinner can be justified. By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, in the sight of God, that is, by works done in obedience to the law, and which is meant not of the ceremonial, but of the moral law, that law by which is the knowledge of sin, and which pronounces a man guilty of it before God, and stops his mouth, as the context shows, and is opposed to grace, which the ceremonial law is not, being of grace, given to relieve under a sense of sin, by pointing out the Saviour and his propitiatory sacrifice. And hence, this conclusion is drawn. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith, by Christ and his righteousness, the object of faith, without the works of the law, being joined to Christ and his righteousness, or considered as any part of a justifying righteousness. Romans 3.20.28 And to the same purpose are the words of the Apostle in Galatians 2.16. The reason why a man's own righteousness cannot be the matter of his justification before God are, one, because it is imperfect, and the law will not admit an imperfection. Righteousness for justification, it requires perfect, sinless obedience, and not anything short of that will it allow to be a righteousness. It shall be our righteousness, says Moses, if we observe to do these commandments before the Lord our God, as he hath commanded us. Deuteronomy 6.25 So that if there is any failure, either in the matter or manner of the obedience, it is no righteousness, and such obedience and righteousness men, since the fall, were never capable of. The people of Israel in general followed after the law of righteousness, but did not attain to it, seeking it not by faith in Christ, in whom it is only found, but, as it were, by the works of the law, in which there is a deficiency, and so no righteousness. And those among them who made the largest pretensions to righteousness fell short of it, as the scribes and Pharisees, insomuch that if a man's righteousness did not exceed theirs, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Nay, even the works of the truly just and good are not perfect. There is not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Ecclesiastes 7.20 Hence good men sensible of the insufficiency of their own righteousness, decline and depreciate, entering into judgment with God upon that foot, acknowledging the impurity and imperfection of their obedience, on account of which they know they could not be just, with God. Job 9, 2, 3, 20, 32, Psalm 143, 2, Isaiah 114, 6, 2. If justification by the works of men, it could not be by grace, for grace and works opposed and cannot consist either in the business of justification 
For if it is by grace, then not of works. But justification is by grace, and therefore not by works. Being justified freely by his grace, Romans 3.24, not only by grace, but freely by it, or by grace, that is altogether free. And indeed, as Austin says, it would be not grace if it were not so, or was anyway clogged with the works of men. 3. If justification was by man's obedience, it would not be by a righteousness without works, and that imputed as it is, if it is by man's own righteousness. Then, not by a righteousness without works, for that consists entirely of works. And if a man's own, then not imputed. Whereas the blessedness of justification lies in the imputation of a righteousness without works. Romans 4, 6. 4. If justification could be by men's obedience to the law, then there would have to have been no need for the righteousness of Christ, nor of his coming into the world to work out one, would have been an unnecessary thing for God to send his Son, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, by him, if we could have fulfilled it ourselves. And not only his life and his obedience of it would have been useless, but his death also. For, as the Apostle argues, if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Galatians 2.21 5. If justification was by the works of men, boasting would be encouraged, whereas God's design in the whole scheme of salvation, and so in this branch of it, is to prevent it, lest any man should boast. Whereas, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. That is, not by the doctrine of justification, by the works of men, that would avoid boasting, but by the doctrine that would establish boasting, but by the doctrine of justification by faith, in the righteousness of Christ, which leaves no room for it. Romans 3.27 Secondly, nor is man's obedience to the gospel, as to a new and milder law, the matter of his justification before God. It was a notion then, some years ago obtained, that a relaxation of the law and the severity of it had been attained by Christ, and a new law, a remedial law, a law of milder terms had been introduced by him, which is the gospel, the terms of which are faith, repentance, and new obedience. And, though these are imperfect, yet being sincere, they are accepted by God in the room of a perfect righteousness. But every article of this scheme is wrong. For, one, the law is not relaxed, nor any of it, nor of its severity, abated. There is no alteration made in it, whether with respect to its precepts or its penalty. It requires the same holy, just and good things as it ever did. Christ came not to destroy it, but to fulfil it, nor is the sanction of it removed, though it is not made for or does not lie against the righteous man. Yet it is made for and lies against the sinner and the transgressor. And as it has the same commanding, so the same condemning power to them that are under it, accuses, pronounces, guilty, condemns and curses, even such who continue not in all things to observe it. 2. Nor is the gospel a new law. There is nothing in it that looks like a law. It has no commands in it, 
but all promises. It has pure declaration of grace and salvation by Christ, therefore called the gospel of grace of God and the gospel of our salvation. Three, nor are faith, repentance and new obedience the terms of it and required by it as to conditions of men's acceptance with God. Faith and repentance as doctrines are gospel doctrines and part of the gospel ministry. And as graces, they are not terms and conditions required in it to be performed by men of themselves. They are blessings of grace declared in it and are gifts of grace bestowed on men. Faith is the gift of God and repentance is the grant from him. And both they and the new spiritual obedience are provided for in the covenant of grace. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 and 27. 4. If these were terms and conditions required of men in the gospel to be performed by them in order for their acceptance with God, the gospel would not be a remedial law, nor these milder terms than those of the old law. For it was easier for Adam, in a state of innocence, to have kept the whole law, than it is for man in its fullness state to repent and believe in Christ and perform new and spiritual obedience of him. Till God takes away the stony heart and gives a new heart of flesh and gives grace as well as time and space to repent, men never will nor can repent of their sins and faith is not of a man's self. No man can come to Christ, that is, believe in him, unless it is given to him and the Father draws him And without Christ, his spirit and grace, a man cannot do anything good. 5. Nor is it true that God will accept of an imperfect righteousness in the room of a perfect one. Nor can anything more highly reflect upon the justice and truth of God, who is the judge of all the earth, and will do right, and whose judgment is according to truth, and can never account that a righteousness which is not one. Thirdly, nor is a profession of religion, even of the best religion, the Christian religion, the matter of justification before God. Men may have a form of godliness without the power thereof. They may submit to the ordinances of Christ, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and attend every duty of religion, and yet be far from righteous. And even if a profession of religion was taken up upon the right principles, on a good foundation, and held and maintained in an honourable manner, and even though a man may be ever so sincere in it, it is not the matter of his justification. For, fourthly, sincerity itself, in any religion, even in the best religion, is not a justifying righteousness. There may be sincerity in bad religion, as well as in good. A man may be sincerely wrong, as well as sincerely right. May be a sincere pagan, a sincere papist, a sincere Mohammedan, as well as a sincere Christian. Yet a man may be a sincere blasphemer of Christ and a sincere persecutor of his followers, as the Apostle Paul was before conversion, and as the persecutors of Christ's disciples, Acts 26 verse 9, John 16 verse 2, and taking sincerity in the best sense, as a grace of the Spirit of God, which accompanies all other graces and denominates faith unfeigned hope without hypocrisy and love without dissimulation, it belongs to sanctification and not justification.
and is not the whole, nor any part of justifying righteousness. Fifthly, nor faith, that is, or act of believing. This is by some said to be imputed for righteousness, but it is not so. For one, faith, as a man's act, is his own, and is called his faith, thy faith, my faith. Habakkuk 2.5, Matthew 11.22, and 15.28, James 2.18. Whereas the righteousness by which a man is justified is not his own, but another's, and therefore not faith. 2. Faith is imperfect. It is so in the greatest believers. The disciples of Christ saw, need to pray, Lord, increase our faith. Whereas a righteousness to justify must be perfect. Nothing else can be counted a righteousness. 3. Faith is not everlasting as to its effect. It is only for the present life. It will be changed into vision. But the righteousness by which sinners are justified before God and which was wrought in by Christ for that purpose is everlasting righteousness. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. 4. Faith and righteousness are manifestly distinguished. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And therefore faith cannot be that righteousness with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And therefore righteousness must be a distinct thing from faith, which righteousness is unto all and upon all them that believe and therefore must be different from that faith with which they believe. Romans 1.17 and 10.10 and 3.22. 5. Something else, and not faith, is said to be that by which men are made righteous and justified, as the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, by which many are made sinners, and the blood of Christ being justified by his blood, Romans 5, 9, 19. Now, faith is neither the one nor the other. And though men are said to be justified by faith, yet not as an act of men, for then they would be justified by works contrary to express scripture, nor by it as a grace of the Spirit in men, for this would confound justification and sanctification together. But by the object of it, Christ and his righteousness apprehended, received, and embraced by faith. And though believers are said to be justified by faith, yet faith is never said to justify them. 6. The passages produced to establish this notion that faith is a man's righteousness are insufficient. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Romans 4, 3. And again, 5. His faith is counted for righteousness. And 9. We say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now, this cannot be understood of the act of Abraham's faith, but of the object of it, or that which he believed in, the righteousness of Christ, which God imputes without works. Verse 6, And that this must be, the sense is clear, from this one single consideration, that the same it which was imputed to Abraham for righteousness, is imputed to all those who believe in God and who raised up Christ from the dead. Verse 22, 23, 24. Now, 
Supposing Abraham's faith was imputed to him for his justifying righteousness, it cannot be reasonably thought that it should be imputed also for righteousness of all that believe in all succeeding ages. Sixthly, nor is the whole of sanctification the matter of justification. Those two are distinct things and not to be confounded. The one is a work of grace within men, the other an act of God, God's grace towards and upon men. The one is imperfect, the other is perfect. The one is carried on gradually, the other done at once. But the sole matter of justification, or that for the sake of which a sinner is justified before God, is the righteousness of Christ, and which is? 1. Not his essential righteousness as God. The righteousness by which men are justified is the righteousness of God which was wrought out by Christ, who is God as well as man. But it is not that righteousness which is essential to him as God. He that is their righteousness is Jehovah, but the righteousness by which he is Jehovah, or which belongs to him as such, is not their righteousness, as Osiander dreamed, for this would be to deify them. 2. Nor his righteousness, integrity and fidelity which he exercised in the discharge of his mediatorial office, that was personal and respected himself, and not relative to others. He was faithful to him that appointed him to that office, and he did his work in so upright a manner that he obtained the character of God's righteous servant. Isaiah 11.5 and 53.11 But, though it is a righteousness he wrought out as mediator, which is imputed for justification, yet it is not his mediatorial righteousness, or the righteousness of his office, or that by which he showed the discharge of it. 3. Nor does it consist in all the actions and works he did here on earth, nor of what he is doing in heaven, it wholly consists of those he wrought in his state of humiliation here on earth, yet not all of these, not his extraordinary and miraculous works. These were proofs of his deity and of his messiahship. They were done and recorded to engage men to believe in him and in his righteousness, but were no ingredients as one observed in that righteousness on which they were to believe nor is his work in heaven appearing for his people there, interceding for them and preparing mansions of glory for them, any part of the righteousness wrought out for them and imputed to them. But, for, what he did and suffered in their nature on earth and in their room instead, and as their substitute and representative commonly called his active and passive obedience, to which may be added the purity and holiness of his nature, and which altogether made up the righteousness of the law, which was fulfilled in him as their head and representative. Romans chapter 8 verse 4. For whatever the law required is necessary to a sinner's justification before God, and that requires of sinners more than it did of men in innocence. Man was created with a pure and holy nature, conformable to the pure and holy law of God, and it was incumbent upon him to continue so, and to yield in it perfect and sinless obedience, and in failure thereof he was threatened with death. And now, having sinned, whereby his nature is vitiated and corrupted, and his obedience became faulty and imperfect, suffering the penalty 
of the law is required, and all this is required for the justification of the sinner. Purity of nature, perfection of obedience, and sufferings of death, all which meet in Christ, the representative of his people in whom they are justified.